So uh, we're going to carry on uh, this week in our series on Ephesians. Uh, we're in a new chapter. This week. I'm excited about that. I don't know about you. Um, and last week we were kind of finishing off chapter two, and through chapter two we've seen how we have been drawn into the promises of God's people, how we were without hope but have been brought near. Was anyone listening to that last week? Did you remember that? Okay, there's two or three, so I'm I'm encouraged by that, because that's better than normal. Um, We we are thoroughly accepted uh, by Christ, and we're now to uh, accept others. We're called to love the church and fellow believers. This is a dwelling place of the Holy Spirit and striving for holiness. Uh, I talked about the dividing wall of hostility. Who remembers the dividing wall? Ange, great, thank you. The dividing wall, Jews and Gentiles being made one, a new humanity, accepted in Christ, a new creation. Uh, and what we looked at last week and this week, Paul is painting a very high view of the church. And with how we are, we're tied in, we're grafted into the promises of God from Abraham to Jesus, and we're now part of God's glorious, glorious church. And it is a wonder of the world. Mm. We talk, I looked about how the church is global, how the church will be a praise of the whole earth as they come to worship Jesus. God has brought us in to be a blessing to all nations. We're a royal priesthood, members of God's family, co-heirs with Christ, being welcomed into this precious family. And we are being constructed as a dwelling place of the Spirit of God. Paul continues this theme in chapter 3 that we're looking at today. We're going to go from verse 1 to 13. But he's affirming the unchanging truths of God, of Scripture, the Word of God. Paul says in this, what we're looking at today, it has been revealed. It's not an evolving trajectory, continuing the revelation beyond the canon of Scripture. And this kind of tends to involve us conveniently concluding that God is now saying something culturally acceptable that contradicts the inconvenient truths of the Bible. But this text today is a different approach. It reflects the teaching of Jesus and God's eternal purposes. It looks at the Old Testament mysteries, how they were solved and fulfilled in the words and works of Christ in the New Testament. So let's read from Ephesians Three. For this reason, I, Paul, a prisoner of Christ Jesus, on behalf of you Gentiles, assuming that you've heard of the stewardship of God's grace that was given to me for you, how the mystery was made known to me by revelation. As I've written briefly, when you read this, you can perceive my insight into the mystery of Christ, which was not made known to the sons of men in other generations, as it has now been revealed to his holy apostles and prophets, by the Spirit. This mystery is that the Gentiles are fellow heirs, members of the same body, and partakers of the promise in Christ Jesus through the gospel. Of this gospel, I was made a minister according to the gift of God's grace, which was given to me by the working of his power. To me, though, I am the very least of all the saints. This grace was given to preach to the Gentiles the unsearchable riches of Christ, and to bring to light for everyone. What is the plan of the mystery hidden for ages in God, who created all things? So that through the church, the manifold wisdom of God might be made known to the rulers and authorities in the heavenly places. 
This was according to the eternal purpose that he has realised in Christ Jesus our Lord, in whom we have boldness and access with confidence through our faith in him. So I ask you not to lose heart over what I'm suffering for you, which is your glory. So we see here in, a, in Ephesians 3, revelation and commission, truth revealed and the responsibility to make it known to others. There's a passing on of the baton here we see from God to Paul and Paul to the church. Paul reintroduces himself at the beginning, how his ministry was of divine origin. A prisoner called by God, imprisoned by man, but a prisoner of and for God. He starts here, doesn't he, by introducing himself as a prisoner of Christ, not acknowledging the second causes of prison, the Romans, but acknowledging God's total sovereignty in his life. He says, for the sake of the Gentiles, his imprisonment was due to his emphasis on Gentile acceptance and the Jewish reaction. But he, he kind of seems to be starting a prayer here and then he sort of interrupts himself. Yeah. If you look at that, it will probably be a dash in your Bible. Yeah. Um, he sort of interrupts himself, then starts referring to his ministry. So the next 12 verses are almost like a little side note, footnote, before he goes back to the prayer in verse 14, which Jesus will pick up next week. But firstly, he is a prisoner of Christ Jesus. He's not at the mercy of just what happens. So difficult circumstances, we can often lose our focus on God, in, but in these times, if we're fully grounded in God, who we are in Christ, we can, believe it or not, rejoice in all situations. If we believe the sovereignty of God, we can see that there's a God behind situations. Knowing that God is in control, even when we don't understand what's happen, happening, we see that all through the Bible. Now, Isaiah says, sing, O barren one. Well, that doesn't sound like a singing situation, does it? We see through Joseph and the many trials that he goes through, God is in it. And even at the end, isn't he, he says, what you meant for evil, God meant for good. Yeah. So God is working. And even at the end of the section, Paul's, how he's, you know, he's told us he's in prison, he says, don't be discouraged. Don't be discouraged. He's still following his calling, telling people about God, writing scripture, even in prison. Don't forget who you are or abandon God. Hopefully, yeah, none of you are going to end up in prison. I hope that. Oh. <clears throat> but do not abandon God. Do not take the steering wheel back when things get tricky. Trust. We can trust God, you know, for our salvation. Oh, yeah, no, I believe Jesus died for me on the cross. But, you know, sometimes when stuff gets tough, I trust God for that, but I don't know if I trust him for what's going on with my family or my job or, or my money. I just trust in him. Paul knew who he was. He's calling an apostle of Christ. And when he talks about this stewardship of grace, he is referring to his apostleship. And he's saying, this gift I've got is by grace and it's for you. You need to receive this gift that God has given me. But you know, I think it's important that we still understand and appreciate the gift of apostles today. Some people will tell you that apostles are not for today. But I don't think that's what the Bible teaches. No. The apostle, apostles are for today. They're not apostles who write scripture. 
But we see in a couple of weeks' time, in chapter 4, there's the gift of the apostles, prophets, pastors, teachers, and evangelists. These gifts are given, it says, for the church. It doesn't say, after the twelve pass away, there is no more apostleship. Because actually there's people like Barnabas and James who were apostles, and they weren't in the twelve. So I think apostles are for today. Not writers of scripture, but those who are sent they, they ha- who are to keep our eyes fixed upon global mission. Yeah. Yeah. They're not just successful church leaders, apostles. And the gifts that they have is from God, a gift of grace. Yeah. We have people today, like we've got Terry Virgo coming in a couple of weeks' time, mm-hmm. who helps us. He, he is the guy that started New Frontiers and helps us and has always been pushing you know, us as churches to be thinking about where God is calling us next yeah. to go. Mm. To keep our eyes fixed upon our neighbourhood, but also the nations. Because as we've been reading, the nations are our inheritance. Yep. Dave Holden oversees Newground. And we, we will meet as Newground leaders and pray together. And Dave will always be stirring us again. Where is God calling us to go next? Yeah. And we'll look at these gifts for the church when we get into chapter 4. But we need to understand God has given many gifts for the church. Pastors, teachers, evangelists and prophets. Not one priest for one group of people. Yeah. Or one pastor for one church. Yeah. And the church, if it is to grow into maturity, is to have many facets. The church should never depend on one man. That is not what the Bible teaches. Yeah. This was never God's intention for his church. Now, I've heard over the years... Christians talk about their leaders as if everything was their job. Mm. But we are a people, all of us, together. Not just you attend and listen to the teaching from the front, but we're involved in church life and we figure out together about how we make disciples. Because that's what we're called for. Not just the Alpha team, but everyone. Mm. So who are you discipling? Who are you passing the grace that you've received onto? Yeah. Yeah. That's why we're doing things like fruitfulness on the front line in the discipleship tracks. So we can figure out together about how we can help the flourishing of humanity all around us. Yeah. Yeah. Not just how do we do Sunday mornings better. Yeah. This is how the church should be operating. With no hostility, a forgiving people, loving enemies, be a vision and hope to the whole world. And last week, this is, I said this is how it's to be, how we should be a wonder of the world and our identity is first in Christ, not through our nationality, but our chosenness. We shouldn't have racial hatred or snobbery of other races. The church should be modelling to the world what true identity and forgiveness looks like. And there's a little video that we're going to play just to give us a little picture of what the church should be. My name is Parti Emmanuel and I participated in the 1994 genocide against the Tutsi. I murdered many Tutsi under the order of bad leadership and have spent six years in prison and four years in community service. While in prison, fellow prisoners invited me to try Alpha. I went, 
but struggle to engage. I realized I needed to tell the truth about what I had done and wrote a letter asking for forgiveness of the relatives of those I had murdered. Life was so hard after being released from prison. I found my wife with two children that were not mine and I faced many heartbreaking situations. I didn't know how I was going to live with the genocide survivors after what I had done. My heart was filled with agony, loneliness and fear. Encouraged by Alpha in prison, I decided to do Alpha again. I learned that Jesus forgives and experienced love in a way I had never known before. With the help of a local pastor, I went to find Vincent, whose mother and grandmother I had killed, to ask for forgiveness. I now live in a village built for genocide survivors and perpetrators. Vincent lives in the same village. We have formed a friendship and I now experience peace like I haven't experienced it before. Day-to-day -day life continues to be a challenge, but I have found forgiveness and healing for the things that I have done. Got questions about life? Try Alpha. powerful stuff. How has this come about? How is it possible for this life-changing, world-shaking gospel to come in? But the mystery has been revealed. We actually see Jesus in the Old Testament throughout, but he's revealed in the New Testament. And Paul's job is to proclaim this mystery. What does this mean? This, this mystery when we think of mystery, we, we think of something that's hidden. And it's our job to discover it. Like, it's a bit like watching a whodunit, trying to figure out who did what. But this, in this language, it means something that was hidden, not that you have to discover, but it means something revealed by God because you would never, ever have assumed it or discovered it. Because it is so counterintuitive. You would never have come to this conclusion on your own. It's completely astounding. Not like anything you would have guessed. In 1 Corinthians 2, it says, None of the rulers of this age understood this. For if they had, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. But as it is written, No eye has seen, nor ear heard, nor the heart of man imagined what God has prepared for those who love him. These things God has revealed to us through the Spirit. For the Spirit searches everything, even the depths of God. So whenever Paul uses this word, this mystery, it has something to do with the gospel. The gospel of grace. Your salvation by grace is the great mystery. And the church is to be a picture of forgiveness, of reconciliation. I know the commandments were never called a mystery. The gospel is never live a good life, follow the rules, God will answer your prayers and take it to heaven when you die. That is not the gospel. 
you know, don't steal, don't lie, kill, etc., then you'll get eternal life. The gospel is that the Son of Man, Jesus, came to earth, he triumphed and won a great victory through weakness and suffering. He won through losing. He gained everything by giving it away. He overcame our sin and guilt by taking it on himself. So when you become a Christian, you're a sinner saved by grace, of the very least, but loved. Completely accepted into God's family. Justified. This is a mystery. And it's so counterintuitive, going against all your instincts. So no matter how bad you are, you're saved by grace. That is why the law is never called a mystery, because it makes sense. Live this way, and you'll do okay. You know, if you decide to live by that framework of if I live a good life, I'll be all right. Live the perfect life, God will accept you. You know, it might work out for a while, but eventually it will crush you. If you live by the gospel, that no matter how bad you are or what you've done, God has saved you by his grace, the more you want to look into this multifaceted diamond, the more wisdom and revelation you'll find, the more beauty you will see. Is this gospel a complete wonder to you? If it is, you'll never grow tired of thinking about it, always fascinated by it. You'll you'll be like the angels in 1 Peter who endlessly long to look into it. It's always a wonder, and you never get to the depths of it, and you want to look into it more. The pastor, Tim Keller, from Manhattan, written lots of books, says, if you think you understand the gospel, you don't understand the gospel. (laughs) If you think, I can't even begin to grasp the depths of the gospel, it means you started to grasp the depths of the gospel. Because it's a wonder of his grace. That's what he's talking about here. God would reveal his perfect plans in his perfect timing. It was known in the Old Testament about Gentiles receiving salvation in Isaiah 49.6. It says, talks about that. But never revealed that Jews and Gentiles would be equal. The wall of hostility broken down. And we need New Testament revelation. We need to read the Old Testament through the lens of the New Testament. Yeah. Yeah. Revelation comes through the Spirit. Nicodemus didn't understand these things. You must be born again. What? what? I must enter into my mother's womb. Jesus said in John, you must eat my flesh and drink my blood. I am the vine, you are the branches. These spiritual things are blind to those that are unsaved. And the Spirit was coming and bringing revelation. The mystery has been revealed. And it, again, it isn't always evolving. So why we need to understand the importance and authority of Scripture. We are under it, not over it, changing difficult bits to fit culture or for the sake of tolerance. Yeah, absolutely. We must accept people, yes, but there needs to be change and repentance to line up with the Word of God. Absolutely, yeah. Moving on, verse 6. Gentiles are fellow heirs. It also talks about this in Galatians 3, 28 to 29. Neither Jew nor Greek. Nobody has more privileges than anyone else. Equal heirs. And neither is there a special place. Nowhere in the New Testament does it talk about a piece of land. God takes his place within people. 
To sum up, the mystery of Christ is complete union of Jews and Gentiles. We could be accused of, uh, you may not have heard this before, replacement theology. And that is where people believe the church has replaced the people of Israel. But that's not what we're saying. I don't believe that. I believe that we are grafted into the promises. Yeah, that's right. So we're, we're, we're not waiting for another promise for the people of Israel. You see, some Christians are still waiting for God to fulfill his promises to Israel that involve land. He took his place within a people. Christ has fulfilled the promise. It's like you're waiting on your 18th birthday for the Peugeot 206 that you've been promised. And this will bring freedom. And you know that many cool people drive them. You've been promised this Peugeot, but then you're... As the day arrives, in anticipation, you're excited about what's coming, but then you've been given a Ferrari. It far supersedes what you were expecting. But you keep going, yeah, but what about the Peugeot? (laughs) And we have been drawn into these promises of God with those Jews who call Jesus saviour and king. You know, we could have our personal relationship with Jesus, but we go elsewhere for other things in terms of fulfilment. No, we need the apostolic burden of seeing the glorious church reach the nations and the lost. And if you listen to the media, or even some Christians, the church isn't going to last much longer. The church is going to last forever. I remember several years ago, I was working on, I think it was like a 13th century church building. And I was replacing the lead on the roof that had been nicked, I think. I can't remember now, but the lead wasn't there. So I was putting new lead onto this roof. And I had a conversation with the church warden. And this was in a, you know, a, a quiet Suffolk village somewhere. And this church warden talked about how well, you know, the church probably is not going to last much longer. We need to adapt to culture. And once I'd stopped shouting, no, I didn't shout. Um, I, then, I then talked to him about... My church, actually, no, we've got lots of young people in. This is when I was in the church in Suffolk. No, we, our church is growing. We're seeing people become Christians on a regular basis. This was complete news to him. But God's got a plan. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. We believe God will save the Jewish people. Not all, but Romans 9 to 11. Have a read of that if you want to get an understanding. Not everyone, but a great number. And they will get plugged back in through the sun. So we don't need to get caught up on bickering about pieces of land. We don't worship on this mountain or that one, but we worship in spirit and truth. Jesus tells the rich guy to sell his land and follow him. Barnabas sold his land and went to the nations. So there's no emphasis on a piece of land. We are looking for a city to come, a heavenly city. And, church, we must pray for the Jewish nation. But there is only one gospel, under one saviour, our beloved Jesus. And the gospel is the answer. People today need help, mentally, materially, spiritually, sometimes need counselling. But we don't try the gospel and then all of this other stuff. The gospel is the answer. The gospel is what brings hope and life change Permanently. Yeah. People need a revelation of the glory of Christ. 
I'm a new creation. This is breathtaking truth, the unsearchable riches of Christ. So keep searching after him. So Paul, is not only has he had a revelation, but he has a gift, a commission to go, a grace-given gift. And in verse 7 to 8, he looks at God's gift of grace. His service ministry was all grace-given, not his own ability. And it's the same for us. We can get into a position where we say, well, well, I can't do that. Well, it doesn't matter because it's God within us that does. God has given you an ability. I don't know what that is for some of you. You might not be an apostle or an evangelist, but making yourself available is a good start. You might consider yourself insignificant. Your role's not important, but we mustn't (laughs) underestimate what a difference God can make. I've been a Christian for a while, so you've probably heard this as well. Um, You might not be a Billy Graham, but you could be an Albert McMakin. Albert McMakin led Billy Graham to Christ. And then Billy Graham has spoken to more people across the world than anybody else in history. Who knows what will happen to that guy that Andre spoke to on the bridge. Andre just followed a small prompting of the Holy Spirit, stopped and spoke to this guy. Who knows what's gonna happen to this guy? So, everything that happens on a Sunday throughout the week is as as of equal importance as me preaching. Remember, this body has many parts, and it requires more than just attendance on a Sunday. It's about sharing life with one another. We mustn't talk about church as an organisation, but use the language of family. And in family, you take responsibility. In family, you take part. I I don't let my kids check out very often and not get involved when we're all together. If we're having a story together, if we're playing games together, we're all in. And remember, God didn't give one priest for the job, but many gifts for the body to operate. So get involved. Hey, have you got kids? Help out in the kids' work. Like talking or welcoming people, join the welcome team. Have a passion for young people to walk with God. Speak to Jesus about serving on the youth team. Have some musical ability. Well, come and speak to Dave and Kay about joining the worship team. You may have a, a very kind, loving heart and want to serve older people. Then visit people during the week. Just heard of people this week how they've been visiting a lady who did Alpha uh, a few years ago. And just people like Ruben and Sue and Dabs have just been visiting this lady who hasn't been able to leave her house much. But just go and love her and pastor her and, and just and, and share the gospel with her. And now she's in glory. Because not me, the church has been operating and loving this woman. And now she's in glory, I believe that, because yeah. partly because of what yeah. these guys have done. Yeah. We also have a share in other successes 
We have Jeremy and Laura. There's a couple who we support who are missionaries in Kenya. They are actually not planting churches in Kenya. What they're doing is encouraging, equipping, and supporting indigenous people to go and plant churches and reach unreached people groups in North Kenya and Somalia. And we get to share in their successes. We are sharing that because we are the global church. We share in the Berlin church plants, successes and failures. Pete and Sarah are another couple that we've been supporting for several years now. So, in verse 18, God's wisdom revealed in Christ. The truth has been revealed to us, and we must not keep it to ourselves. Paul is saying he has made it known to others. All truth revealed is held in stewardship. Truth given to us is to be shared. If men cannot keep scientific discoveries to themselves, how much less should we keep to ourselves such divine revelation and the truths of the universe? We need the apostolic conviction of Paul that the gospel is both truth, truth from God and riches for mankind. And we should not and could not be silenced. You know, the more I dug into scripture, the more I understood the truths of it, of God's amazing grace, it was, as it was coming to light, the more I wanted to tell people. So, guys, can I encourage you? Dig into his word during the week. Yeah. Read Ephesians. Don't just wait for me to read it to you on Sunday. Spend time with God. And now, verse 9. The, the one who created all things has begun a new creation, and one day it will be finished. And he one, one day Jesus will come and recreate all things. And we, but we cannot construct our Christianity of just a personal relationship with Jesus and have nothing to do with the church and have no hope for it. God has not abandoned his church, and neither should we. The church is central to history. History lessons will tell you about kings and queens, politicians and generals, celebrities, dictators, but the Bible concentrates on a person, Jesus. And then a people, his church. Little people, unknown to the world, yet well known to God. History lessons will tell you about wars and battles and peace treaties, but the, ba- the Bible tells us there's a war between good and evil, and the victory was won by Jesus over the powers of darkness. Yeah. History cannot ignore the reality of the church. <clears throat> the living God is the God of all nations. The church is central to the gospel. Jesus died to save sinners, but also to create one new humanity. Yeah. To redeem us and adopt us into his family. Church is central to our Christian living. If the church is central to God's purpose as seen in history and the gospel, then surely it must be central to our lives too. How can we not be serious about what God is very serious about? My friend Norman Blows, who planted the church, many of you will know him. He often would say, we should take ourselves less seriously, but the glorious Christ Jesus and his church more seriously. Don't take yourself too seriously. And how dare we push to the edge what God has placed at the centre. You know, we mustn't strive for perfection, but we must strive to make Christ's church excellent in every way. So pray for his church. Make him at the centre of it, 
Search for knowing him, getting, scripture, getting to know scripture better. Then go and tell others in the security of knowing who you are. We have the revelation and the commission. Now go, take that step. It's not just you and Jesus, but your inheritance is the nations. And let's remember where it started for us, at the cross of Christ, when he ordered us to partake in the meal, to remember what he has done. And we're gonna do that this morning. We're gonna take the bread and the wine as a representation of Jesus' body broken for you and for me. And his blood that was poured out that washes our sin away. Yeah, we thank you, God, that you have drawn us near, brought us near, Lord. Thank you for the promises of God. Thank you, Lord, that you will not leave us or forsake us. I pray for my friends, Lord, as they go out into this week ahead. Lord, will your hand be upon them, your favour be upon them. Oh God, let them, Lord, know the truth of their identity in you and go out in the strength of that, oh God. We thank you, Jesus, that you gave it all. You gave it all for us. And we're a new creation. And again, Lord, help us live in the, the good of that and the truth of that this week. In Jesus' name. Amen.